0: When you first got to the varsity basketball team at Urbana High School, who was the first person to bust your butt and welcome you to the varsity?
1: Well, my fellow cap, co-captain, Dr. Dunkenstein Peacock, <laughs> went around me and slammed home a two-handed slam dunk. The dude had a 46-inch vertical. He was a world-class high jumper. He jumped 7-7 in the Olympics. Well, the Olympic trials. It was the record at the time, but he failed the drug test. So he did not get to go to the Olympics, but that dude took the first guy I ever saw other than David Thompson to take a quarter off the top of a backboard at six foot one. Wow. Yeah. He busted me hard right out of the gate.
2: I always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Ensuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Ensuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy one more line record the track just one more time my family think i bought my head lost my mind and sure them i'm just fine i'm good enough, I'm I'm good enough. but you've been told i need some therapy
0: initially ain't do it voluntarily but now i got a legacy all right welcome back to another episode of the team player podcast this is episode number 45 for the second week in a row we have a guest here in the team player studios with a resume so long i might need to take a half time intermission to make it through this one He's our first team player podcast alum to have played overseas professionally, played pro basketball in the Philippines with the PBA. He was a grad assistant at the University of Illinois Fighting Illini, which we're all rocking our Illinois stuff here this morning, where they went 26-5, and won the Big Ten, and got beat by Kentucky in the Elite Eight. From there, he became a marketing guru with stops at Reebok, marketing the pump shoe that all of us 90s kids, we all know so well. And then he left Reebok for his rival Nike and the Jordan brand. Shout out to the Knuckleheads podcast, Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. I'm big fans of, they actually, that they're, they're the basis for this podcast. They were Jordan Brand alums. If all that wasn't impressive enough, he worked with another guy. You may have heard of him, Dick Vitale. That's awesome, baby. <laughs> we worked at ESPN College Game Day. And finally, the thing he is most proud of, and this is awesome, baby. His four and a half years working as a weekly volunteer mentor of the Brookside CDC Church and Reentry, a prison ministry. The Dos Equis most interesting man in the world has nothing on this guy. Now he calls our beloved Daktronics home as he helps sell marketing, or he sells and markets video scoring timing systems in the Indianapolis area and beyond. It is my honor to welcome my coworker, my friend, welcome Steve Carroll to the show. Thanks for for coming, Coach. James, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Let's have some fun. Yes, sir. If you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure you've given us that five-star rating on whatever app you're listening on. We've already got 46 on Spotify and 25 on Apple podcasts, We're we're climbing up. It's important because that's how more people find the show. The more five-star ratings we have, the algorithm pumps us out to more people when they search for a sports podcast. So please, it takes five seconds. Give us the five-star rating. If you'd like to leave a written review on Apple, I'll read those on the show. So if you'd like to leave one, I'll read it on the next episode of the show. Hit the follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We will be honored the team player podcast made into your rotation. I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach, let's dive into it. We got a lot to talk about today. You're from Urbana, Illinois. That's the sister city, just right due east of, of Champaign, where the University of Illinois is located. That's just about two hours, fifteen minutes southwest of Chicago, just under two hours northwest of Indianapolis, where you live now, and just under three hours southeast of my dad's hometown of Rockford, Illinois. So I always love seeing a, fev- a fellow. Uh, what what do you call yourselves, Illinoisans? Is that the what's the term? No, we're Illini. It's just Okay, just it's
1: I L L. I-N-I. If you see a guy in the airport and they're wearing an Illinois shirt and you go up to him and you say I-L-L and he looks at you funny, he either stole her or somebody gave it to him. If you see somebody when you're traveling, they're wearing anything Elmo, and you say I-L-L, nine times out of ten, they'll say I-N-I. Love it. And
0: they'll I'm give you it. a fist bump. Love it. Love it. Love us. Talk to us, Coach. You grew up basically in a college town. What, what was it like growing up in Urbana?
1: Well, you know, uh, growing up as a kid in Urbana, football was horrible. Woody Hayes was a coach at Ohio State. I sold programs to make a few bucks with my brother. And there was, there was more Ohio State or Michigan, game, Michigan, Wisconsin. I, whoever we played in the Big Ten, there was more of their fans than there were ours. Right. So we got to sell programs and sit behind the visiting team's bench on the 50-yard line. And not that it's a claim to fame, because obviously there's Daryl Stingley uh, and his, what happened with Jack Tatum and the pros. But my claim was when I got Jack Tatum's tape, he threw it to me. And I, I think I kept that at home in, in a drawer for about 10 years. But uh, I get to watch Bo and Woody and all those guys. So sports growing up in the 70s, know, we were horrible. Henson came in in the mid, late 70s. He couldn't, you know, nobody wanted to come to Illinois. I mean, you, you could literally pay $5 for a nosebleed ticket and you could go sit down center court because it would only be about 5,000 fans in the place that held 16,000. Right. So I saw the rise, uh, the fall, <laughs> total fall, bottomed out, and then the build of the rise all the way up in the 80s. And we had Mike White and Henson. We won Big Ten, our first Big Ten title. In years, like over 50 years, I was a part of that, which was awesome. Uh, and then Mike White, with his, you know, he had the Air Attack Pro and Pro Tech football. He was a coach. We had Easton and Wilson. His champagne was rocking. It was a great time. REO Speedwagon was from there. And so the 80s trans- transformed into the 90s. And the, the I really owned the 80s. They owned the 90s almost in the Big Ten in basketball. Yeah. And then it kind of hit a little sidebar. And then, you know, built Ron Kruger, Bill Self after Lou stepped down. Then there's Kruger and Self, and there's a flying line I two, Flying line I one was 89. And I'd left Illinois to go to Carbondale. I was a grad assistant, part-time assistant at Illinois. My good friend's Brian Dutcher, who's the head coach at San Diego State. And so we had a great run. I went to Carbondale. He went to South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. The rest is history. He goes with Fisher to Michigan, goes to San Diego State. He's the only guy I know where all the players walk in the locker room and say, hey, Dutch, what's happening? I mean, he's got a loose ship, a loose way of doing things. But, you know, he's a positive reinforcement guy that's leading to success. So, you know, Illinois, you know, is where my roots are. I'll never claim to be a Hoosier. I, I don't hate anybody but I dislike IU. I dislike Purdue and they really don't care because I'm on a line. I live in Indiana.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. The rivalries run, they, they run thick and man, I I don't want to get you too off topic here, but I, I was surprised that it wasn't you guys advancing to the big 10 championship against Michigan this year in football. I mean, it just felt like if coach Bielema, uh, I, Michigan, we escaped that game with a win against you guys. I mean, right. team played good tough noses Defense had a great running back. I mean, I don't know. At, at the end of the year, it, there was a lot of improvement. But are, do, how do you feel uh, after this year of Illinois football? Was it is it disappointing that it just didn't finish the way it started, or oh, what's the feeling?
1: Well, it, well, you know, Coach Brett, you know, they gave him a six year contract worth about thirty six million. I think we're still Lovey Smith ran off with the Brinks truck to Houston, and that's fine. We had to pay him off to get rid of him. But at the end of the day, you know, we we, we fell apart at home against Purdue and Michigan State. All we had to do is win one of those games. We had Michigan beat. Had yes. A couple of bad calls that went the wrong way, and we are just that close. But you know, the, the long and the short of it, I have a lot of respect as a person for Rick Leach. Now, some of his motivational tactics probably weren't uh, the best at, at at Texas Tech, and then when he went on, excuse me, Mike Leach, not Rick yeah. Leach, to yeah. quarterback yeah. from this, but Mike Leach. Uh, but the way he, he he taught a history class like Bob Knight did, and they had standing room only at Old Miss. Yeah, and yeah. he did so much for the game and made it exciting. So it was bittersweet as much as we led most of the way in that game and should have won. We had four guys that are going to the NFL draft that didn't play, which that's a whole other story. We could talk about that some other day. But, you know, he's got them back on the right track. I think they'll bring in a five star quarterback. And then it'll it'll be game on next year. And we hope to be in Indianapolis for the
0: championship. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now let's talk about let's talk about your experience at Urbana High School. So I mean, obviously, you got you had a six foot-one sophomore jumping up and taking quarters off the top of the backboard. So sound, I'm assuming you had a pretty good team, Coach. What was it like playing those three years of varsity at Urbana?
1: Well, you know, here, here's the uh the the long, the short of it. Uh I was one I was the only as they call it, white men can't jump out of the top six, right? <laughs> so I was 6'3". Peacock is probably one to 6'2". Uh, I was pretty really tough. I, I played through my whole high school career without a joint in my left big toe. I had some arthritic issues there. It was deformed, so they took it out. They put a plastic prosthesis in. It rejected it. Mm-hmm. So I formed my own joint in the big toe over the years without any real it's more of my own artificial ligament cartilage in that joint. Wow. Um, and so I played in a lot of pain, but I, I played through the pain before our senior year. I, I had ooze and pus and everything coming out. They said, there's no way you'll play. Started the season playing in it. You know, we, honestly, it was kind of, he and I, we were kind of, a it was, we were kind of the Ernie and Bernie show at Urbana yeah. High School. Yeah. So whenever we went, you go to the, into the gym and it'd be number thirteen, Doctor Dunkenstein, and then you look down and then there would be thirty-three, Carol, right? And uh, so it, it was, it was a, it was a fun run. The Big Twelve was really strong. The Dunson brothers who played college basketball, they were twins. They were damn good. We finished like third or fourth out of twelve teams. We, we had a tough time always getting out of the regional for whatever reason. We'd win a game, then lose, and we'd be done. But uh, it, was, it was quite, you know, we drew a lot of fans back then in, in Illinois. They came out to watch high school basketball. If you go to a game in downstate Illinois, you're lucky other than the cheerleaders, moms, and dads, and the players' parents, no students even go. I mean, it, it's horrible. But, you know, social media's kind of changed all that as we go on in our own lives, day-to-day, business-wise, and so forth. I'm not a huge fan of social media, but I understand the need for it. And if you don't do it, you know, you're losing out. But uh, playing with Peacock was a, an interesting journey because I was probably the only guy out of the top six that didn't smoke weed. Back <laughs> in the 70s, these guys would come to practice. They'd have two Big Macs and French fries and anything else. I always say, hey, Stevie, you want something? Oh, I'm good. So... Um, you know, marijuana in the '70s, and the drinking age was 18 in Illinois at the time. I didn't know which guys were coming to practice drunk or stoned, so it, it was kind of an it was kind of an eye-opening experience being a, being raised in a, in, a, in a real family environment where a lot of these guys, you know, the grandmas raised them in some cases, or the mom. And uh, you know, one time I came home from lunch when I was in uh, going back a little bit in time in elementary school, I brought. Six guys, as they call it. I'm the furthest thing from being a racist. Uh, Above the tracks, I came home with four or five African-American boys for lunch. We walked home from grade school, and uh, Mom said, what are you doing here? I said, well, you're going to feed us all lunch. And So I haven't really changed since then, to be honest with you. But uh, Urbana Urbana was the foundation. It'll always be home. I was the middle of three brothers. Uh, my dad was an amazing man and uh, his character. I hope has instilled some values in myself.
0: What is that famous district up in Chicago? Is it called like Red West or something? There's some famous high school basketball district, right? Where uh, several NBA stars have come through there. Do you know what I'm talking about or?
1: Well, the public league, Simeon. Sim, right.
0: Simeon. Simeon
1: uh, you had Simeon. You had King. You had Sonny Cox at King in the eighties. You had. Bob Hamrick at Simeon in the 80s. Unfortunately, that's where Benji Wilson might have been the greatest player to ever come sure, out of Illinois sure, sure. Uh, was was shot to death. Um, but it, it was a public league, and I don't know if it was the red or the blue or what it was, but Simeon and King owned Chicago. I mean, you all but had to come with a Brinks truck to get kids out of that place.
0: Did did you ever get to have that situation? Because I know uh, listening to the, the podcast, uh, Knuckleheads, which I like, uh, Quentin Richardson from Chicago. And they'd always yes. talk about whenever they'd advance to the playoffs, they have to come downstate to where you're at to play to play right. for state. Did you right. ever get that situation where you played a, a Chicago team? And was there like an extra energy in the gym of like, hey, we're kind of these not not country bumpkins or anything, but we're these downstate kids having to play these Chicago kids. Well, did you ever get to experience that?
1: Yeah, I got experience that. We played in the Pekin holiday tournament. There was about four tournaments uh, in the 80s that were really big time. You had uh, Centralia, Illinois. You had Carbondale holiday tournament where you used to have Lawrenceville battle Dalton Thornridge and Quinn Buckner and that bunch. Oh, yeah. And you had uh, Pekin holiday tournament where teams from Chicago and you got the Peoria Richwoods where Altenberger played, played, played at Illinois. He was a great friend of mine. Uh, and then you had uh, Pontiac Holiday Tournament. So there was about five of them that were really big time. Uh, Carbonell also brought Kevin Stallings, famous Stallings, who, you know, played at, and when start started out in Minnesota with Dutcher's dad, transferred to Purdue, and the rest is history it was with Roy Williams. And then, you know, he was at Vanderbilt. Uh, and then he ended up ending his career, I think, at Pittsburgh. And he went kind of, uh, I don't know, he just, maybe just, lost tune with the guys. I'm not sure, but those, the holiday tournaments in Illinois back in probably the seventies and the eighties were second to none. Yeah. Probably any, you could put them up against any place in the United States.
0: And so after that, after that career at Urbana, you, you were able to continue playing collegiate basketball at Eastern Illinois university. That's in Charleston, Illinois. That's a D one in the Ohio Valley conference. Again, about three hours South of Chicago and about two hours West of Indianapolis and you said that those, those same toe and foot and toe injuries continued to play you. So, was it in college that you maybe saw you started thinking about coaching? You know, this is a coaching yeah. podcast. Was it at that yeah. point you said, hey, maybe I, I can't play forever. I've got this injury. Or just describe your college basketball experience. And then, well,
1: you know, you know it's kind of interesting because Mike Shanahan, the famous coach for the Broncos, whose yeah. son, Kyle, is with the 49ers. I was at Eastern. We were Division Two, going Division One, and Don Eddy, okay. who was kind of a legend D2 coach, we, he had taken Eastern to some Final Fours. So I went down there, and I was pretty banged. I read shirt. I was pretty banged up. And he said, you know, I spent a lot of time with him. He is a man of strong values. He ran the Fellowship Christian Athletes huddle there. And he said, you know, your, your calling in life is more about helping young people, and you have the mind to coach. And I, I didn't really think about much. And then that we talked in the fall. And then I had a, a technique and theory class as a freshman, a football class, with football and basketball and baseball players. And honestly, it was an easy A, right? Three credit hours. It, all you do is show up. Well, Shanahan ran the class. He was a grad assistant when I was a freshman at Eastern. Wow. And he looked around the room. He goes, is there any basketball guys in here? And knucklehead me. I you know, raised me. Yeah. Hey, hey, what's your name? I said, Carol he said, hey, I said, Steve, Steve, I said, Steve Carroll, he goes, hey, Carroll, come up to the chalkboard. I got a bunch of knuckleheads here that don't know shit about football. And I guarantee (laughs) you, you're going to be able to show me a slant pattern better than they're even going to know. So I did that. And he's never forgot that one of his good friends, Greg Brown, was at Illinois and transferred to Eastern. So, you know, it's kind of funny how things go 360, but, Going to Eastern led me knowing what I thought I wanted to do in life. I wanted to coach and impact young people was really the caveat to get me to where probably I am today because I always still feel like I'm coaching. You know, I'm always trying to be motivational, try to be positive, take the negative and make it positive and so on. But that led me to go to Lawrenceville where I did my student teaching and we won back-to-back state titles. That's where Jay Scheidler ride with Shy. One of the greatest bomb bombers to ever come out of Illinois, went to Kentucky with Joe B hall. And then Ron felling. I learned an awful lot about not only basketball with life, but how you motivate young men that are 15, 16, and 17 years old. Right. I mean, it's unheard of that record still stands. You go 34 and back-to-back state titles. And we beat Lowell Hamilton an all black school out of Providence. St. Mel. We beat them. In Assembly Hall and Marty Simmons, the Mule put up forty something on him, and we won the state title there. So that was a that led me to my basketball career, and I went from there to Illinois. And we won a Big Ten championship. I think, hey, I don't have Rick Pitino's Italian pies on, and guess what? I I, I need to at least I'm on a roll here right now. So my my goal was always to be a Division One head basketball coach, but I saw that probably wasn't going to work. I mean, I, I really I was I made my own connections, but I was really nobody's dad. Nobody's son, a dad that was a coach and so forth. There's nothing wrong with that, but I had to figure out how I was going to cut my teeth and provide for a family someday.
0: And then, what what was when did you go to the Philippines to play in the PBA? Because I'm definitely familiar with the PBA. Um, I, I like to follow some of these smaller leagues. Like I really like the NBL in Australia. And I know I I listened to some podcasts talking about the NBL and they referenced the PBA. They've got a big Filipino superstar named Kai Soto that plays in the NBL now. So I'm just curious, how how did you end up over in the Philippines playing basketball? Well, what, what ended up happening is I finally got my foot about
1: right. And I went with Athletes in Action to the Orient and Lorenzo Romar, who's a pretty big household name. He's a big time assistant at UCLA for Jim Herrick. You know, he was a head coach at St. Louis, head coach at Washington. I think he's still at Pepperdine right now. I've been talking to him for over a year, but he was was my head coach. And there was an opportunity for three of us off that team to go and play in the the paid summer league. Uh, So I took that opportunity. And it was, you know, any guy that at the time, I believe it or not, I I, I had hair. (laughs) I had blonde hair, blue eyes. And, and I had wristbands, and all the all the Filipino women would call me GI Joe. So <laughs> <laughs> it was they want me taken back to the states. I, I I didn't do that. I'm not saying that would have been a mistake or not a mistake because I know a lot of guys meet their wives overseas playing ball. But uh, yeah, he he's the one that set me up on that, and we were our AIA team was like we played 45 days and we we're like 38 and two um over there but you know in AIA we were staying in in places that weren't even dollar ends in the right. states I mean you know you had to appreciate you were eating dog meat fried right I mean it was it was unique right. and then when the PBA I mean you had an apartment where you had actually a, a I guess you'd call it a shower right? the water pressure was like soap would always be on you but that was an unbelievable experience yeah. and then it, it really humbled me in a way about Life and serving because my dad had always done that his whole life, um, and then when when I came back, then uh, you know I I did one the summer before Illinois, one the summer after Illinois, and then the fall I went to SIU Carbondale associate head coach, and and that and it, and it kind of took off from there. So I probably lived 19 lives, right? I'm hoping Dex my my last live, but Speedwagon
0: has a song that says nine lives. Well, Stevie C is on number nineteen. <laughs> You're not kidding, Steve. I mean, I, your resume is just the most—I I, don't—I don't know what to call it. But it—you it, it, have so many different avenues you've been down. So, the coaching you did great, but like you said, you kind of figured, you kind of felt like like a lot of us do that. You know, maybe for supporting a family at the collegiate level, you really have to kind of cut your teeth, right, and grind at some you know student positions or intern positions and work your way up. So you—you you weren't ready for that. You went down the marketing path. And you like you said, you started with Reebok, the pump shoe. All of us that are like my, you know, late thirties, my, you know, grew up in the nineties, kids, like we, we all remember the pump shoe. So I gotta know, you mentioned Shaq and Dominique Wilkins, the human highlight film, who I remember so well, uh, playing for the Hawks. Did you ever get to meet those guys in any of the work that you're doing? Oh, yeah, with Reebok?
1: yeah, the- I, I spent, I spent, I, I met Shaq twice early on. He was just kind of a quiet, more. I mean, not that he's not a humble guy, but he, he didn't shut up. Now back then, he didn't say a lot. OK, right, but sure. that was early on Orlando. Right. Uh, and Dominique was he, he's a class act all the way. I mean, yeah. he, I, I did went to a lot of signings with those guys at the big trade, sh- the big shows in Atlanta, the super show in Atlanta and stuff like that. We had the big boost. Yeah. That was all a lot of fun. But it was kind of the opportunity with John Morgan, with Reebok. He sought me out from a mutual friend. Or I probably would have stayed in basketball. And I always, my son always says, "Dad, do you wait? yeah." There's days I do because I always feel I'm a coach. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was that opportunity that I I grasped, and there's no turning back. I, you I, I, there's sales and marketing in life, but I'm all about branding because if you don't brand a product right, it, it, it's a challenge, right? I mean, the way that yeah. Nike is in the shoe industry, yeah, Adidas has this, and then you'll have a this, you know. These shoes that women buy, I don't know, my wife even got a pair, I think, I don't know who paid for them, but where you don't clip the tag or it's not authentic and they're like $300 or something. I, I don't understand yeah. all that now. Yeah. But being an old school guy, it was one of those things that you, you, you look for the opportunity, right? And when I learned between Nike, Reebok initially, and then Nike and the Jordan brand, and then with Vital. He's self made, he branded. So I'm all about branding. So, what I, my vision is what I see Nike as, and what I see different individuals, how they brand. I see Dak as this worldwide leader. But I, to this day, I'm not bashing on it. I just don't think we brand our brand the way we need to. I mean, I think there's too much opportunity for us because we're the worldwide leader. Right. I don't don't think we talk about that enough. Um, I try to use it as much as I can. Because I get some mom and pop company that comes in tries to undercut me price wise, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, you know, they, they don't have the service department. You know, everybody can complain about everything, but when you with a turnkey operation, we're the worldwide leader, just like Nike's a worldwide leader. They've had their supply chain, excuse me, supply chain issues, just like we have, but we need to continue to let people know that we are the worldwide leader in what we do.
0: No doubt that's about nice. it, man. It, it's always a source of pride for me when I, I'm watching on TV and I see a, a Daktronics display, you know, in, in the college football playoffs or, you know, uh, in the NFL or anywhere, really. And even at the high schools, you know, down here in Texas, a lot of the the really premier high schools, they have Daktronics video, video scoreboards. And that's a big source of pride for me being a former coach as well. But you mentioned, let's talk about the Nike, the move to Nike. You, you mentioned that Getting Jordan and beginning the Jordan brand, and that Phil Phil Knight knew exactly what he was doing, and you just saw the writing on the wall. So you were smart enough to to kind of jump ship. Well can you just describe for us a little more what you saw there?
1: Well, well, quite honestly, the 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 king of the shoe wars, the king of uh, basketball branding, was Sonny Vaccaro. Vaccaro, right? right? Sonny right, V, right. right? And you know his 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 brother ran a largest sports book in Vegas at the time. So I mean. <laughs> it's pretty deep right yeah but Sonny was the king and, and I had the opportunity to directly and indirectly work with Sonny and learned a lot you know it's about how do we expose our brand the way we're going to expose that is by getting these athletes sure now obviously it transpired over in the years where they just getting them out of high school Toby um, and, you know, Mike, no, not so much Michael, he he did his own thing. It might yeah. he, you know, he, he, if there's a goat, he's the goat. Okay. Yeah. So, but, but you look at Kobe and you look at LeBron and those guys, they signed those guys to contracts and they're in high school. Right. I mean, back in the day, it was a matter of trying to get the guys when they were coming out of college, not high school, wearing, a, wearing your shoes. Then it evolved about, the time I, I was done where these guys figured out, okay, I'm wearing Nike shoes. I'm going to create my own line. You know, Durant, LeBron, you know, Pop PG3, um, Steph Curry, Under Armour, and so forth and so on. But what, what it was about was he was taking, uh, and they're trying to get it going again right now, grassroots. What Sonny did, he went grassroots on this, and he started basically... He was watching guys in college. He thought, boom, I need to get him signed. So back, and I'm not to say he didn't sign them while they were still in college. I'm not here to say he did or didn't, okay? I'll take the fifth on that one. But he identified a dozen of those guys. And one, Phil Knight supported and He had the purse strings to do it, right? Now it's a situation they try to identify him in high school so they have him locked up. And you know it, it's you know this NIL deal and guys getting paid now it's a, it's a kind of a farm system, and then the other thing is you know you're in a, you're in a situation where not only can the shoe companies you know basically endorse them, companies can endorse them, and I've heard some crazy stuff. The coaches are paying these guys because they can pay them indirectly through a company that's basically funding them through endowing the the basketball weight room and so. forth. Sure. So honestly, it's totally out of control. They're supposed to be changing this, but they'll be if they try to. There'll be all kinds of court injunctions and lawsuits. I mean, we're not in a really good place. As much as I love college football, college basketball, we're not in a real good place right now. This whole NIL thing and the transfer portal. I mean, there's guys that are 24 years old. They're they're going to be a junior. I mean, a game a year, two years over COVID. I mean. It's, I don't know. It's kind of out of control right now. I still I love the game. Right. I love the game, but you know, it, it, it's pretty flawed right now.
0: Well, you know, and, and like, like all those coaches do though, you know, we, we, we assess problems and we move towards solutions. That's what you've done your whole career. And so I, I I'm hopeful too, that this year has been kind of an experimental year and see how some of the stuff is working and eventually we'll recalibrate. But you're right. I mean, I keep seeing the headlines that coach Harbaugh is ready to leave Michigan. Yeah. Maybe soon, very soon. If he's offered an NFL job, cause may, you know, Maybe some of those issues, you know, with transfer portal and things like that. Maybe maybe guys just want to go back to the NFL, where it's a little more structured. But one one thing you mentioned that really it sprung a question to me. You mentioned Steph Curry going with Under Armour, and every now and then you do see these superstars like a Steph Curry, instead of maybe going with the safety of a Nike, who's kind of the unquestioned leader, they go with maybe a Fila or a Puma or an Under Armour or things like that. I'm curious, from your perspective, is that a is that a well, shrewd business the, decision or is that a risky was, move?
1: Curry was a all-way, all-in Nike guy. And something they did, and I I can't remember the exact, but his dad, uh, Dell, who played, was a very good NBA player, took over the deal. And Under Armour really wanted him bad. They paid him a lot, a lot of money. And they were going to let him... Nike wasn't going to let him... uh, he was concerned not only with the design of the shoe, but how it was made. And Nike said, no, we've been doing this for a no, we're not doing that. You do you get give us the artwork? But he wanted uh, and obviously he had that, you know, high, high ankle sure, strength yeah. uh, issue and so forth. Uh, and they were gonna give him freedom to do what he wanted to do. So his dad pulled the deal at the last minute from Nike and they went to Under Armour. That's how that went down. The exact yeah. verbiage on what had yeah. transpired, I don't know that. Even if I knew that, I probably wouldn't disclose it because it's not my business. I just kind of connect, and I hear about this stuff roundabout ways.
0: Yeah, and then any other famous players with your Nike experience that you got to meet? I know you got to meet Shaq and Dominique of Reebok. What about with Nike? Did you get to interact with any famous guys? Oh yeah, I had some
1: with Jordan. Yeah, I had. I, I've had some. Uh, I've had some really good experiences with Jordan. As a matter of fact, when I was at Carbondale. The uh, assistant baseball coach and I shared an apartment, and he ended up being the director of the pitchers for the farm system and the majors for the White Sox until Larusa came. His name was Kirk Champion. When he was with the Birmingham Barons, Champion and him played golf a lot together. Wow. And they always had to play for money, and uh, Kirk (laughs) never beat him. And I don't know how much Kirk ever owed him. He probably just – Jordan probably wrote it off. But I had the opportunity to play once with him. And uh, I think I about peed all over my leg, about from, from the golf cart to the first hole. Understand, and I don't think I quit you. peeing since. But uh, <laughs> right. Michael's good. He's a good – people don't understand him. Uh, but talking about, you know, there's five or six guys that were self-made, that, you know, the first ones to end, the last ones to leave. Jordan, it was all about the love of the game. It was, that was, he was going to lead by example. You know, when Robin went out to Vegas, he said, let Dennis go. When he comes back, he comes back. If he doesn't come back, I'm not worried about it, you know. Uh, but, you know, everybody goes – I mean, I I, I I have a lot of respect for LeBron and what he's accomplished. It's amazing. A lot of people say you can't like both of them. you got to pick one or the other. Well, MJ and his rings, speaks for itself. They said, well, he had this supporting fast, Pippen, and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. I mean, I don't think MJ as a pure athlete NBA player. I think it's awful hard to beat him. You can say Russell it was a different era. You can you can talk about a lot of guys. But in MJ and Bird and Magic, and they changed the whole culture of basketball. Yeah. Worldwide. Yeah. That that group of those guys, right? It changed the NBA. It, I mean. Quite honestly, Magic, Jordan, Bird probably saved the NBA at the time. I mean, that's the truth. Yeah. Um, But, you know, Michael, um, I learned an awful lot about branding and about success and not accepting no, and no can mean yes, probably from Dickie V. Uh, And I traveled with him for almost six, seven years. Everywhere you can imagine, ESPY awards, having books thrown at me in the face. I mean, you know, I... I lived that life. It was fun. It was it was it was it was a good ride. Bob Knight, uh, you know, rival to my you know mentor Henson. Um, so you know, there's there's bits and pieces of different things that have transpired from not only the basketball world but to the entertainment world where I think I've been blessed. But sometimes I think, how did I ever get to know this person? You know, yeah. and I'm just kind of the happy-go-lucky kind of guy, and I genuinely care about people.
0: Uh, as far as the goat debate between LeBron and MJ, I know Kobe. Sometimes also, it, it, pe- people are going to bend the stats to however th- their argument. But yes. I, I think a- different things can be true, right? Like LeBron's career, the longevity of it, the way that he's 37 years old, 38 years old, and still playing at this level. Like that's not something Jordan did. But I would kind of agree with you. If I need to win one game, and you got to tell me who do I want on my team, I'm picking MJ. That's and I kind of think that's what makes him the goat in that regard. But amen, anyway. Yeah. Hand, we, hands we can, down.
1: Yeah. That's, that's my, that's my pick. You can, you can bring them all back in their uniforms, going back, you know, NBA top 50 or whatever. And they're all lined up there and they all could look at that, at that same spot in that same space. I'm going for 23.
0: First pick, right. First
1: pick every time, Jordan. But. My, my, I got a closet full of all, that's all it's got. You know, you know, you send me a Jordan shoe size. I'll send
0: you a pair. Let me ask you this. Let me, you know, you, you worked with Dick Vitale, um, you published five Dick Vitale books, and you went on to handle Dick Vitale marketing. I got to ask you this because some te- sometimes people probably always question: Are they really like what they seem on TV? I know PJ Fleck, the head coach at Minnesota. Some people kind of see him as kind of like a used car salesman, or don't, they don't they don't like it. But I, I actually one of my guests was the long snapper out at Western Michigan. He said, "No, Kovo, it's all legit, and all the players that play for him love him. They, he 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 is he really is rowing the boat." So I'm curious if Dick Vitale the persona that he exemplifies on TV, is it pretty legitimate or how would you describe what he's like? And when you actually get to know him,
1: the the best word that I could summarize Dick Vitale would be one word. Passion. Yeah. The man has passion for people. He has passion for life. He is the most prepared individual. I think I've ever been around. I could literally I heard his game of life speech to corporations probably a hundred times. I used to go to bed at night. I could do the same one, even sounded a little bit like him to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the one eye, but I could probably close it. Um, yeah. but, but Dickie V um, what he's done. A lot of people say, well, you know, it's all about Dick. It's all about Dick and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He sets up this fund. He's raised millions out of Sarasota with his Dickie, Dick Vital gala. And um, he always takes everybody's phone calls, um, but he is so passionate, has so much passion about life, and he has a really deep heart for all these kids that are fighting cancer.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so he's made he's made a difference. He's made college basketball a better place, but he's made life a better place. And I think the latter of the two is what's important. You know, you come into this world, nothing's given to you. You don't choose your mom, you don't choose your dad. What you do, it's all about opportunity, right? And how you decide to seize that moment and how you want to give and or give back, it's your choice. I mean, we all look in the mirror every morning. We either like what we see or we're not real happy. But, you know, I, I'm a believer and I'm accountable, I'm accountable to God. And, you know, I'm not perfect. Am I a sinner? Yeah, we all are. I'm not here to preach religion. That's not what this is about. That's not what I'm about. What I am about is the fact that there you need to have a purpose, right? So everyone has a purpose and a choice to make. And his game of life speech was all about, you know, this is how I grew up. Nothing was ever given to me. I didn't want anything to be given to me, but I wanted to seize the moment and, and create an opportunity. So what he did is he took himself, he branded himself like nobody i've ever seen as an individual who was who was he he might have been he played at seton hall patterson okay he didn't play at the real seton hall right right but he's got an honorary doctor from notre dame he's got an honorary doctor from seton hall he's got probably five or six others he's probably got 15 keys to the city and at the end of the day he's a family man first he 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 loves his kids he loves his grandkids but his biggest passion right now is trying to save lives in battling cancer and uh so he's very genuine yeah he can get a little bit over the top i mean i, I have a personal email account stevie c from indy i won't say how, where it's at you could probably that people could find it yeah. that he'd always say where in the hell is stevie c from indy you know so i've kept my personal email since i worked with him 20 years 20 yeah. years ago I've kept that, that same personal email for like eight, eight, eight going on 18 years. Yeah. Because he'd be like, you know, cause here's the thing, you know, I, I, I had his miniature basketballs. I'd have his books. I'd have all this stuff. And you know, what he never understood. I somebody had to pay for the postage. He thought I was making good money, but I had to pay the postage on all this stuff. Right. Yeah. And he's the only guy who used my cell phone because he didn't have a cell phone That's back right. in the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and the reason his wife said he didn't have one is because he'd probably lose it. <laughs>
0: Well, we talk a lot about branding and a guy with a completely opposite, polar opposite uh, public persona uh, from Dickie V would be the general, Bob Knight. And you you helped publish his book, The Silver Knight. One of the fav- my favorite book titles of all time is a Bob Knight book, The Power of Negative Thinking. I just <laughs> love the spin that he put on that. He's got his brand, throwing chairs, getting up in your face, you know, but... What was Bob Knight like? I mean, it, was he is he like he seemed on the court, or did he have a softer side, or what, what was his what was your relationship with him like? Well,
1: it's kind of interesting because I had a relationship. First relationship I had with him uh, was when I was at Illinois with Henson, and uh, I had a well. I, I'll take it back further. My dad's roommate in the Navy was Johnny Orr, who coached at Michigan and Iowa State. A good friend of his, and so they played. For the time, the NCAA tournament was only 32 teams. So I was a Quinn Buckner guy. I grew up watching Quinn Buckner when I was in grade school at the Carbondale Holiday Tournament where my brother covered. Boyd Bats, Quinn, Dalton Thornridge, talking about some guys that made history, they made history out of, out of Thornridge, right? So um, Knight beat Orr in overtime. At Assembly Hall, they'd play on a neutral court, so Knight got in the NCAA tournament. I think Orr may have gotten that large. but There was only 30 teams. To, Two teams in. So I I always, I liked how hard nights teams played, the discipline. But as life went on, some of the stuff he did, I was like, dude, this this guy's crazy. (laughs) But here's what I know. The money he raised for that university. And on a sidebar note, he came over to Champaign, Illinois, to speak for Dr. Ed Grog and Carl Sports Messon. And back in the early 80s, he was getting like $15,000. Which now would be about sixty or seventy grand, right? So then they flew over in one of Cook's planes from Bloomington. He did his thing, and he said, "I believe in every blah blah blah, every cuss word you can name that this guy is doing here." Here's your effing fifteen thousand dollar check. He wrote, ripped it up, and I think he wrote one back for him. Wow. So wow. I saw both sides of him. I saw the side of him, and I couldn't stand with the battles, when I mean, we beat Knight four in a row, Henson did, no one ever did that. Yeah. Okay. And we did. And the fourth one was when Nick Anderson, Jay Edwards had a half board shot, put him up one. Nick Anderson came back down to hit the half court shot game went over. We won everybody's in the stands and I had left. I was at Carbino. I sat behind Mary Henson in the first row behind the bench. And everybody's going four in a row and Bobby Knight got on a microphone. He's getting ready to kick us out of the gym. And they finally, security said, okay, Bobby, he was hot. That's as hot yeah. as I've ever seen him. Um, but there, as much, here's the thing, does he instill discipline? If you can, It's like going to West Point if you played for Knight. If you can go there for four years, you can graduate, you're set for life. It's not for everyone. I don't think I would send my son to play for him, and that's not out of disrespect for Bob Knight. But as many negative things there were about Bob Knight, there was twice as many positive things. And I can honestly say that
0: very cool. And I, you know, I, I don't want to bring up a sore subject, but being a Houstonian, you brought up Nick Anderson, you know, you're one of the Illinois greats, but going back to that 95 NBA finals, he was such a great player and he was so pivotal in getting the magic from like where they were was kind of that Scott Skiles led team to like coming up with Penny and Nick, like th- suddenly they became championship contenders i'm sure you know what i'm about to bring up with those missed free throws i mean what did that feel like seeing someone that you'd coached and were so close to and did you ever find out kind of how he dealt through that because i know that that was a big just big moment defining moment in his career which shouldn't be because he had a he's a great career and great professional NBA basketball player but like can you just describe your feelings around that that incident or that that moment in the finals
1: yeah you know james that that's a great question uh It stayed with him for 15 years. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the supporting staff he had from that team—that's the the original flying a line. 89, right? There's 2004. They were good. They weren't the original flying a line. I don't care what anybody says. They weren't. D Brown, I love D. Even though D's had a few issues, I love D. But here's the thing he finally came to peace with that because I think he felt that it was just one of those things he finally needed to let go. Yeah. But he still this day thinks about, it. but it haunted him for 15 years. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's true. And I, I, you know, Steven Bardo played with them and, and Gil and then Ryan, uh, Ryan, um uh, oh, he's on the CBS in Chicago. Um, uh, Ryan Baker, you know, he was a manager at Dalton Thornridge. He was a, he was a, a manager underneath my brother who was a senior manager at Illinois on that team. And uh, he's very close to Nick and Kendall and Bardo and that bunch. But uh, it's one of those things that's it's tough to get over because you were so close, but then it was so far, right? right? So he was a pretty empty man for a few years. I know that, but he's doing good he's he's raised two great kids and the 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 line Eye family is is pretty strong like a lot of these schools i mean you know we we haven't been able to figure out football for 15 years but i think we're finally with brett in there brett will get it figured out
0: oh yeah yeah i mean i i just think about nick anderson and i even at a pro athlete he's at that that highest level but those those things still sting you know and I, it kills me that that he it took 15 years, but I'm glad to hear that he's found peace and he's moved on beyond it because he has nothing to be ashamed of. And same thing for football, man. I I remember Simeon Rice and Robert Holcomb, and there you know oh. uh, there there's some good things. And I know there was a, a dormant period. Uh, when, yeah, you know, Kirk Kittner, right? I mean, th- there were some good times there in the '90s too. But you know, well, anyway, I mean, you know, Jeff,
1: Jeff George, you remember back in '83, there yeah? you know, uh what well, it wasn't it was uh, Jack True? No, it was. um uh, yeah, it was Jeff George. Uh, and then then um, you had Makavic there in the early 90s. That that would have been George. 83, you would have had Eason and David Wilson and that bunch. That was the era. You know, that's when Illinois was fun. I mean, we could lose yeah. 38, 58 to 50, and we'd throw for 600 yards, and people, the place is sold out. Because, was yeah. like, see, that's the thing about it. Illinois doesn't expect much in football. They just want to be exciting. So if Brett can figure out a way to score, it's going to be game time in Champagne. There'll be a lot of bubbly being popped in
0: Champagne. Love it, love it, love it. One thing you mentioned before coming to Daktronics, you were a partner with Circle City Resources. You mentioned that you did some work of ESPN College Game Day, and I'm a little biased, but I'm an adopted Michigan fan. I married a girl from Michigan. Uh, my my uh, my father-in-law has season tickets to Michigan, so we every okay. Thanksgiving we go for the game against Ohio State. And I, I sit in those seats and I love it. Wow. So I, I'm all Michigan now. It hurt this weekend, losing that game to TCU. Hats off to TCU. Great team. Well coached. They earned it, uh, but it hurt, you know? But my question is, I, as far as that, that relationship of ESPN College Game Day, I've always heard Desmond Howard is just the nicest guy I've ever met in real life. So I'm just curious if you ever got to meet Desmond or if you ever got to interact with the College Game Day guys while you're working there. Yeah,
1: i tell you what. There's, I call them a, from my perspective there's three amigos yeah there's desmond there's herb street yeah on that side and then there's billis on the other side okay basically, yeah yeah those three guys are nice guys that you'll ever meet awesome Now, awesome. i think herb street can get a little biased sometimes but herbie's great yeah those guys are when you get the time to be all away from the set and you sit in a restaurant or a coffee shop hotel and you're just kind of hanging out they're just really good dudes they're really and De- Desmond's as nice as, as anybody I mean you know D- Dick really's never been one on the set per se right I mean he is at the final four and so forth you know he he's awesome but I think that now he's, you know, he wants to just do a few more games and he does his special things every so often. But got the guy's got like a dozen books, and I think I published six of them, right? And he learned that from Bill Cosby. He said, when you're done, you'll quit publishing books. As long as you're still active, keep publishing, even if you publish them and give them away. Um, but 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 Billis uh, is has been very up front about how he feels about the NC double he has not sugarcoated anything which I have a lot of respect for sure yeah um, herby's this he, he's class act and, and Des, and you know um you know the follower used to do it he's a good guy he's kind of he married a gal he, he's into the Tennessee now I think more sure yeah <laughs> he he's awesome I mean he does a great you know play by play he's fantastic and then uh, um oh the, the you know the guy I'm missing now the that uh does it uh can't think of his name
0: oh reese davis
1: yeah he's a good dude reese is a good dude what about
0: what about coach corso did you ever get to interact with him i'm sure he's another larger than life personality kind of like a vital on the football side Not, not a fan really i'm not a fan okay i
1: i i I, guy he never won anything he horrible coach uh, I'm just not a thing. I mean, okay. he, he's, fun, he's funny. He's yeah. funny. There's no substance behind a guy. I mean, I could get on there and go goofy like that. Trust me, I've done that type of stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, too funny, man. Well, you know, the thing I, I love about you, Steve, you've, you've rubbed elbows with some of the most famous people in the world. Michael Jordan, Shaq, Dick Vitale, the human highlight film, Dominique Wilkins. The list goes on and on. But the thing you're most proud about is some of the most forgotten people in our society. And that's the four and a half year engagement you had as a weekly mentor slash volunteer with Brookside CDC Church and Reentry, which is a prison ministry. My dad uh, worked for the Texas Department of Corrections for his entire life. So 30 plus year career as a correctional officer, prison guard uh, here in Texas. And I just I don't want to get too deep into 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 the the, the criminal justice system or anything that have a big debate or anything, but. At the end of the day, these people—they're—they're—they're they're, they're not. Whenever they go into incarceration, they're, it's not the end, you know. I mean, hopefully, they can be rehabilitated and become a valuable member of society once they've paid their dues. And I, it sounds like that's what you were doing—was you were taking an interest in these people that I think a lot of maybe we've cast off or forgotten about, and you took an interest in them. And you described that as the thing you're most proud of when you've met Michael Jordan and all the other cool things. So, can you describe what that was like? going inside the prisons yeah. like i'm curious like what were they like were they were they welcoming you was it was it was it difficult well, what, what was it like well
1: well let me here, here's how this kind of works with this okay uh brookside community community development corp cdc they have the, the youth play they have um uh re-entry um they have um mentorship they, there's a lot there's four or five arms underneath that and uh right after i started with dac uh i've I've always because my dad instilled in all three of us boys that you you need to give back i don't care what you do you need to give back so i've always done this but not to this extent but i had a choice i went to a small group bible study with my wife and i and they showed a video uh we're a uh Non-denominational, interdenominational church, what Northview, which is big in uh, north Northern Indiana, north North side of Indianapolis. Long story short, the senior pastor was all about um, the fact that uh, you know I'm all about world mission, but we don't take care of our own here at home. We need to do more with that. Mm-hmm. So he helped fund buying that church building and stuff. It was about eight years ago. So I heard the the African American pastor, Pastor Charles Neal. Pastor Charles, he's one of my best friends, and he wasn't at the time. I didn't even know it, but he was talking about how they did and and how they served. And I had the option at Northview to either go up the road by Peru to the maximum security penitentiary where guys are in there for life and serve on Sundays Mm -hmm. or guys that are coming out of federal corrections, you name it, that even murdered people. When they're coming out, they've spent, they've done their time. Reentry is getting back into the workplace. Yes. So there's hope there, right? And it's not, you know, you you can pray and and reach out to anybody you want to, but the opportunity to serve in a way that I could mentor on Monday nights, guys that come in for a hot meal that are living under tents, living in shelters, living at the missions, living in that, and try, you know, guys that have either got a degree when they've been in prison or they just are down their luck. They can't they have no they feel they have no hope. Right. So what this program is, is a program in place where we engage with them on Mondays. On Wednesday, they can sign up for enrollment and we try to help get them back on their feet. So we have some Isaiah houses that uh, we've built for them. Um, after they go through the process where they, you know, we help get them a job and they pay a little rent. We basically pay the majority of it. Um, so I started out doing that and finally two weeks ago, after four and a half years, one of the guys, I've had two guys I mentored the next week they got shot. They got murdered. It was hard. It was really yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, one of their guys got shot. I thought I got this guy in a good place. He went to withdraw from whatever. He got a gun. He went out to shoot the guy that shot his buddy, and he got shot in the streets about a block from where I do. We do the ministry at Brookside, Tenth and Rural. I mean, it's Cabrini Green. Okay, it's 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 deep. Yeah. Okay. So I and then so finally I had a guy, and he was living in his van. He was heating himself with a cup of alcohol, a, a canister of alcohol, with a paper towel and lighting it to keep him warm at night. Okay. He was sleeping in his, in his van for six months. Yeah. He got falsely accused of two felonies. His brother used his identity. He had an ankle bracelet. He had no hope. He was ready to go. He was done. So long story short, he came on Sunday nights. Uh, Sunday mornings is church. I, My wife and I are me. I, I help serve breakfast. Monday nights, I use it on travel other than Tuesday through the rest of the week. So Monday nights, I'm always down there from 5 to 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. And we oh. you have a service, blah, blah, blah. We have, we sit down at a table. We kind of mentor these guys. Well, and long story short, he had to go to court. We got a letter where he's in his program. Boom, boom, boom. I went in front of the judge right before Christmas. We got two felonies dropped, one moved to misdemeanor. We're getting him in the Isaiah House. Big 10 championship right there, brother. That's what life's all about. Okay. And the fact that that if if you're if you're a, a Christian or a non-believer, it doesn't matter. It's about serving people, um, and I love the fact that I've done this for four and a half years. And if you have success with one of these guys, you've you've saved a hundred because it's it's so hard to do. It's the hardest thing that I live out day to day. And I'm driving to raise almost a half million to a million dollars that I'm going to be driving home to raise, to build some more houses down there.
0: I love it, coach. I mean, I think that for anyone listening and you're you're looking for ways to give back, I think there, there's so many ways you can do it, but man, the prison ministry, I just, I just think that's great. You know, I, I'm really thankful that you did that. And I hope that, that these, these people, whenever they are able to come back into society, have that feeling of hope, you know, cause I think that's so critical. All right, Coach, we're kind of nearing towards the end uh, of our talk today. I, uh, the reason I started this this podcast, Coach, is I love coaches. I always My listeners know that I grew up kind of in an abusive household. I had a dad who was an abuser, and so things were really bad at home. And so I was that kid that every night I'm just upstairs in my room just trying to fa- – hoping I can fall asleep so I can not have to hear my parents fighting downstairs anymore. And so in the morning, I wasn't one of those kids that hated school. I loved school it's i you know i got in my car i sped to school where i could be around my coaches who loved me and made me feel important and made me feel valuable and so i coached for 11 years i ended up leaving and now i'm at dactronics but i just love coaches and that's why i do this podcast i want to scream to the rooftops how important coaches are and so now since i love the game so much i do podcasting outside of my dactronics job but i also do broadcasting so I call high school football and basketball games here in Houston, uh, just like, you know, that's what I just love being around oh, it. So I might as well make a little extra money and, and and do a good job promoting the game. So now that I'm in the stands coach, I see what I can just call bad parent behavior. I can see it more than I'm in I'm broadcasting when I'm on your sideline. I'm kind of busy, you know, it's loud, you know, you don't, you know, I'm not seeing as much, but I'm seeing some of this bad behavior in the, in the, in the stands, whether it's yelling at the coaching or yelling at the officials and, I just don't like that. I don't like bringing negativity into the game like that. So I'm just curious. And you're, you, you've coached for a long time. You've, you're, you're a dad. Uh, you know, you've had a lot of experiences. I always feel like whenever parents bring that negativity into a space, I think they're making it worse for their kids. That's my opinion. And so well, I would ask James, you which, what your thoughts are. James, uh, you, you're you're right on, on that. Um,
1: having been a, you know, a coach at a collegiate level, having played at collegiate level, have experienced a lot of, individuals I've experienced. What I have learned, the most important thing is positive reinforcement.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I I we start later in life. I got an 18 year old, 6'5, about 225. He's a hell of okay. a basketball player. Yeah. He just towards he just towards ACL. He's out for a while. Oh. But what I've learned is it's more about it's going to be okay. And you know, a kid comes up just like you talked about, Nick Anderson. A kid misses two, friends, uh, two free throws or down one into the game. He he, and he okay. feels he let not only his teammates down but his mom and dad down, yeah. and doesn't even know how to deal with himself, right? And having gone three sixty in my life, what I have learned is there's nothing like positive reinforcement. Tell somebody did a great job, right?
0: Yeah. And then, but, you know,
1: here's some things you could do differently, Steve, or whatever. Okay. But I think if you can if you can be positive, everybody needs someone to know that they care, right? Yeah. That they care. Win or lose, you care. So if you can be positive, then give some constructive criticism and say, what do you want to talk about? What's, what's really bothering? Because I think what happens is a parent or someone who's lived their life, you, you don't not necessarily think you have all the answers, but you, you maybe want to have the last say-so. And I think as parents, we always feel we have to have the last say-so instead of just be a good listener. Hear, hear what they want. Hear what with the real world, the customer wants, right? Yeah. And I, I think I've learned in life that I, I like to talk a lot. I get excited. I get great stories. I have a good time. But I've learned with kids, they're very fragile, even at the collegiate level. Kids, you're a JUCO. The reason they're at my son's probably one only one of the Division One academic qualifiers on our team. They're from Brooklyn. They're from Maryland. They're from Jamaica. They're from everywhere, and but they want to be loved. Yeah. But they want to know somebody cares. So if you can give them some positive reinforcement, then give them constructive criticism that could help them with their life or their game and then listen to what their thoughts are, I think we make inroads there. That's kind of my thought. So as you and I have talked about here to James, I mean, we've gone from college hoops, college football, a little bit on Dagtronics, which I love Dagtronics. I love the people Dagtronics. One thing we haven't really talked about is my rock and roll history, but that's okay. That's that's for another
0: conversation. That's but, actually next. That's my next topic, Coach. Beautiful oh, segue. Boy. You could take my job because the sidebar note you sent me, and you've you've referenced this a couple times. You are family friends with Ario Speedwagon, who is originally from the Champaign Urbana area. I will say this. My favorite Ario Speedwagon song, I do have one. And you you know, it's before my time, but I, I have I have heard their stuff. My favorite is Roll with the Changes. I don't know if that's one that you recognize, oh. right, but Roll with the Changes, my favorite Ario Speedwagon song.
1: Roll with the Changes. Time for me to fly.
0: Yeah. And
1: back on the road again, bye-bye, lady. Yeah. Now, here's why back on the road again, Special Bruce Hall, when I was at East Illinois University, he was playing bass guitar at Ted's Warehouse. And I, I said, hey, dude, REO could use a bass guitar player. A year later, he's playing with REO Speedwagon. Wow. They were from – all those guys, you know, Kevin Cronin from the suburbs of Chicago – one from uh, one of them was from two from Peoria. Uh, Gary Richrath, who died, had a heart attack, got in bad shape. Yeah. Neil Doty from Peoria. Another guy from Arlington Heights. Where Cronin's from. The all uh, Alan Gratzer, who now has a Hard Rock Cafe in Honolulu. You ever go there? Go see go see Alan. And here's the thing about those guys. My older brother got to. Kn- they all dropped out of Illinois. My older brother yeah. got to know him at the Red Line Champagne. So he and Kevin were tied, and Neil, and then Bruce Hall, because of the Charleston, Illinois connection, and wow. then I seen him at the farm and fleet helping him buy toys for 20-some kids. Um, anyhow, uh, and then, you know, kind of from that, you know, when I brought Red Bull to the Midwest, that's, the, you know, 19 lives, right? That's how I got to know Kid well, Rock.
0: Let's talk man. about – yeah, let's talk about this one, Coach. The REO Speedwagon, yeah, that's out of left field – Maybe I could kind of see it, but you and Kid Rock, no, no offense, you don't you do not look like, you know, I know you used to have hair, maybe it was longer, but I never pegged you as a guy that knew Kid Rock from Detroit Motor City. I mean, so tell me, so it's the Red Bull connection, but how did you get to know Robert James Ritchie, more more better known as Kid Rock?
1: Yeah, Ritchie's something else now, you know, I, I brought Red Bull to me. <laughs> I I bought I brought Red Bull to the Midwest, yeah, uh, 2000, 2001 launched in three states, uh, Illinois, Kentucky, uh, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky. Okay, and I mean I did it. I mean you name it. I mean Red Bulls uh, at lunchtime with whatever you want to call it. I mean it, it, it was a two and a half year run. With yeah. I had to get I had to, I had to move on or I'd have been killed myself. Okay, yeah, because I'm not, I'm not a big drinker, but I'll drink a, a little mixed drink with you know, every now and then on the weekends socially, but yeah. I mean, I was having to drink red bulls and vodkas at noon. Okay. Cause I oh. was in charge of the whole market. All yeah. right. Well, long story short, there's a formula one inaugural race. I've got, I've got a Hummer limousine taking me around dropping off like 2,500 cases to all these celebrities. You, I mean, I'm talking to anybody you can imagine. They were there for the formula one. Yeah. So long story short, I go to the slippery noodle, it's a little, like this little cigar bar, kind of close to the slippery uh, um, Nicky Blaine's cigar bar.
0: And this F1 in race is in Detroit, then I take it at Bella, no, Indianapolis, this oh, Indianapolis. Is okay. Formula One in okay. Indianapolis, okay, in
1: 2001. And I was in charge, I'm the chairman for Red Bull for that, so it was a, it was a pretty big task. I mean, I had had all the promotions in you name it, it yeah. was it was fun, but so. I'd go looking for my wife and her girlfriend. So, you know, I overachieve in life. I got a very attractive wife or friends, or very attractive gals. And this even goes back.
0: kick your coverage, coach. More. A lot of us have. Yeah.
1: So, so I'm looking for her and I go and there's this curtain pulled, And I'm in there. There's Tommy Hilfiger and Kid Rock. And I'm like, wow, so I, got juice, I got some juice with me now. Now, you know, I, I'm not back to playing weight yet. But I mean, you know, at the time then I was probably – Six three two twenty five with some muscles, but I yeah. had some real juice. I mean, I had a couple D line guys with me, right? Yeah. And I'm like, You're getting awful close to my wife and these friends. He's like, He goes, What's your name? I go, Stevie C. He goes, Stevie C. I'm Kid Rock. I go, Well, who the heck are you? Because I, I really didn't know. I'll be honest with you, I didn't know. And uh, he goes, They want us to be to go to Slip Renewal. There's about 2,000 people there. They want me to go sing. I said, well, let's figure this thing out here first, right? So everything kind of got cool and it was no problem. And my juice is like he goes, I'll just break his neck. I said, dude, don't touch this guy because if he's who he says he is, you might end up in prison. So just leave him alone. All right. So we go across the way. He goes, break you got?" he goes, Who's driving? I go, I got this Hummer out here. He goes, well, Let's get in that. He goes, What's all this red bull in here for? I go, hey, Can I get a few cases? I said, We're gonna give about a hundred to this this bar outside bar, right? So he gets out, and I, you know, my wife and her friends, and they're all looking. And, and here I am in the background with these other two guys. And then Kid Rock, Kid So they want me to sing a song, Stevie C, what do you think? So I, I don't know what he sung. I don't know if it was touch. I, something was one of his earlier songs. Yeah. He got up and belted it out. and he, he came back. He goes, hey, Stevie C, have you heard that song? I said, hey, Kid Rock. I did hear that yesterday on the radio. <laughs> okay now do you know who i am i said yeah i know who you are the boy out of motown out of detroit he yeah goes, did pretty good they want me to sing another one what do you think so he did and uh we did yeah, yeah. uh one thing i can always i can say i've been clean ever never did any drugs now i might have had a couple of drinks
0: with these guys yeah but uh long story short he's taken care of me ever since and let me let me just make sure I heard that right. So Kid Rock made a pass at your wife. Is that yeah? That's yeah. the story. <laughs>
1: well, he, yeah, I mean he, he, he was he was I don't know if he was high stoned or both, but you know Kid, kid didn't know a stranger. It does not matter who it is. Yeah, you know, it, it's it for him. It's game time. He doesn't care. That that's who he is. I mean, he, yeah. you think that when well, he ran off with Pamela Anderson for a while, you think that that uh, what what's his, uh, Tommy Lee was going to knock him out? Evidently not.
0: I guess it was your wife flattered by, by, uh, you know, Kid Rock <laughs> famous celebrity. Uh, that not really. She just no. said, Oh, it
1: was all good, clean fun. I go yeah, for, yeah, I guess if you were to call it that.
0: This is a so. team player podcast first. I, I, this is incredible for a person of that magnitude to to hit on your wife. I, that's a badge of honor. <laughs> Too funny. Well, here's man. what
1: I'll tell you, you know, sometime, I mean, so you, if I'm correct, you're, are you in Texas? I live in Houston. Yes. Okay, Houston. All right, that's another one.
0: Kelvin Sampson, some of my guys.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love yeah.
0: Kelvin Sampson. I uh, love. Let, it, let me just let me go off topic. One, I saw a quote from Kelvin Sampson yesterday, and and okay. said, there's no and you'll love this, Steve, as an old coach. He said, "There's no such thing as an ugly win. They're all beautiful." The funny thing is, now we got people bitching about the way that we win. So we must have really come a long way. I just oh. love that.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he he's he's uh, he, he is unbelievable. And I, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, I'm going to look forward to meeting you sometime and I'll, I'll, I'll buy you dinner.
2: I was going uh, to like you...
1: to talk some sports with you sometime. If I get down to Texas or something, I'm going to look you up. Cause we might do it I, the I other way up... though,
0: Steve we might do it the other way. Cause my wife and I, we've been to two big 10 stadiums to watch. We're Michigan fans. I've been to Memorial stadium in Lincoln, and I've been to the stadium out there in, in New Brunswick, you know, to watch Rutgers. So I, I've been to two. Right. So I, I would love the champagne. I would love, it, coach. We will we'll definitely... take
1: the we'll take we'll take the RV over there. We'll park right outside the stadium. You'll have a good time. Let's do Just it. Put on, is Michigan coming there next year? Check I don't it out. I have Just to check the know. schedule,
0: but we we will make that happen, coach, because that that I would think, be. I, yeah. I think
1: next year they do come to Illinois. I think, I think that might be right. But you know, the one thing that 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 I know you said something to me about Mount Rushmore
0: right yes we're gonna do that in a second yep oh okay all right okay yeah. all right I'll, I'll tee you up for that one coach but let, let's talk about your favorite team this is how we always end it uh, most of us that listen here are big sports fans so we just like to get to know your favorite teams of course you love the fighting illini you mentioned the original flying illini 89 team with kendall gill nick anderson kenny battle Stephen bardo etc number two you're a butler bulldogs fan good friends with thad mata uh you released him in the 80s from siu to butler when barry collier was ad so do you want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, because you, now you're in, in in the indie area, you you don't like Purdue or IU, but describe that feeling of Butler. Because I was a big fan, and you mentioned Houston. Butler made it all the way to the Final Four in Houston, and I was there watching that. Uh, so, just can you talk about uh, Butler and kind of your affinity for that program?
1: You know, the you know, um, it's the David and Goliath story, right? Yeah. I mean, it always will be. Uh, you know, they're they've taken a lot of heat after things kind of fell apart after. Uh, Holtzman left um, Butler and went to Ohio State. Um, They need to try to get out of the Big East. And uh, Stanko, the president who came from Villanova, said, no, we're not going anywhere. We're staying here. So Thad was kind of bitten at the the bit, Uh, being down at IU as an associate AD over basketball. What's that mean? He's getting paid, but he isn't going to make any decisions, really. And uh, I think it, you know Woodson kind of wanted to lean on him from his perspective and the success he had, had obviously at Butler Xavier, and then uh, um, Ohio, Ohio State. And it was a logical thing that Dad's health has not been the best. He lost his dad about a year ago. Uh, he's a good he's a good guy. Uh, he's very demanding, but guys like to play for him. He, he can you know tough on the court, but he, he cares about him. He I think he meets the players yeah. once a week to see how they're doing. So he, he's a, he's a class act. So I, I want Butler to get back to the Butler way. It kind of took a road turn. Um, it's it's unique. It, you know, it's not academically as tough as a Duke or a Northwestern, but the standards are pretty high. Sure. Tougher than you know probably Purdue and IU. Nothing. Don't hate me, Purdue IU fans. So don't hate me. But you know, in Illinois so in the same boat. It's it's a little bit tougher. Right. Um, but it's an intimate environment there. And the, the people support have always supported the Butler way, and will continue to do that. So I, they would probably basketball be right there. San Diego State with Dutch. You know, yeah, I'm a huge guy. Mountain your West friend, guy with friend, Dutch. Yep. I mean, uh, you know, he, he t- every year in the NCAA, he always gets me tickets when if I'm able to make it. I'm close to his wife and his family. Just he's just a solid dude, and he and I had our best years two years together on staff in Illinois. We were just First day I ever met him. He came into the basketball office with with barefoot shoes on. I thought, who's this spoiled little brat? Mm-hmm. You know. But uh, from then we've been really good friends. Um, so from a so from a basketball perspective, it would probably definitely be, you know, Illinois, yeah. Butler, um, and San Diego State. You know, two and three could interchange. Uh, my nephew was a, uh, was an All American at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix. Yeah, I like the Drew. Uh, uh, Bryce Drew, who's a the coach there. Yeah. Um, you know, but um, and then you know, NFL. You know, it's kind of been a weird thing So I grew up in Champaign Urbana. And my dad liked the Bears and and the Packers, and I thought, how's that be? Well, you had Nitschke and Grabowski and stuff played with yeah. Packers. Then you had Butkus at the Bears.
0: So a lot of alums, Nishki. Yeah. And so he, like this, so
1: yeah. He, he, and then when the bears played the Packers, I think you always rooted for the bears. But then when the Packers play anybody else, you root for the Packers. Well, for whatever crazy reason, I think when I was seven years old, I kind of liked the Cowboys because shoot them up, you know, Cowboys. Yeah. But then as I got to be about 10, I started observing Tom Landry. So I was really a Cowboy fan through and through. And then even up till Jimmy Johnson and then yeah. when when, um, so when Jerry Jones came in, I yeah. I, I, yeah. I can't root for the Cowboys again with him. He's just an idiot. And then but then then uh, the 49ers with John Brody and Gene Washington. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like them. But I've been a Denver Bronco fan probably longer than ever. And Carol, what's wrong with you? Live in Indianapolis. I said, look, you can talk to my kids. They don't root for any teams in Indiana. None. They don't. They don't hate them, but they're not. They're either a lion eye or the St. Louis Cardinals, you know. And it, and you know, I guess neither one of them are Colts fan. I mean, I, did I go to the Super Bowl for Colts? Yeah, I sure did. Did I root for them to, to beat the Bears? Yeah, I sure did. But I'm not that first and foremost, right? It's it's and a I, pretty. I, I'm more. Yeah. I'm more of a college, yeah, uh, basketball football guy and Major League Baseball Cardinals guy. Which you know, it's time for me to switch He's my switching. hat. Yeah, I got I got put on, you know, and I oh, got I Bob it. Gibson on the back. There it 45. is. So, I mean, you know, that's it. So, my trademark is unless I meet with a superintendent and an AD in the building, we're around the fields, I'll either have this red cap on or my line I cap. And it's kind of got to be a trademark. Here it goes. Here comes the coach. So, I have fun with that.
0: Branding. There's your branding. You're always doing this, Steve. it, Steve. I see what you're doing, but – no, well, he, but the, the problem is I
1: can't get Dak merch to make a hat that'll fit my big head. I mean, <laughs> I, I gotta go buy, buy my own.
0: That's too funny, man. I I love your eclectic mix of teams. I love that you're not a Purdue or IU guy. Butler, that run of Brad Stevens and Gordon Hayward that was beautiful. I think everybody in the country was rooting for y'all that run and all your other. It, it's kind of cool. Like I live in Houston, so it's like I'm I'm a am a big Rockets fan, big Astros fan. I'm actually I, I'm not a Texans fan. I couldn't get into it after the Oilers left. And so I'm actually a Lions fan. I'm really, with my wife and everything, I'm really bought into the Michigan and Detroit Lions. So that's my fandom there. But for someone like you, when you're, yes, you're in Illinois, but Champaign is far from Chicago. So you have that flexibility. Like my dad's from Rockford. He's a Packers fan. And he goes, yeah, there was a lot of Bears fans around, but I mean, they're pretty close to Wisconsin too, right? So I, I get it. Now, as far as the Broncos though, your Broncos and your Colts, not they're not your Colts, but they're in your area. They're both rumored- that maybe they're going to offer my guy, Jim Harbaugh, who's my, you know, so I'm curious your thoughts, just, are you any thoughts on that? Or
1: I've been told from an inside source that he will not come to, now, Ursa will spend as much money as anybody will spend to get him, but I've interred, I've heard he thinks it's such a disaster in Indy, he's not coming to Indy. Captain Comeback?
0: But he's Captain Comeback, man, for Indy.
1: (laughs) I know, I know, but I've heard he's either going Staying at Michigan or he's going to the Broncos. Okay. That's the rumor. That's the, that as of last night, that was the rumor. Now, I, I, Hey, you're out there, brother. You you know more what's going on. If I need to get updated on some stuff and, and find out who Kelvin's got eligible or ineligible, I need to call you.
0: Kelvin. Oh, it's funny. He made a quote about that last night. He was so proud in the last nine years zero ineligible players in the university of Houston basketball program. So Kelvin. Yeah. That's funny. You brought that up. He's very proud of that academic record, but all right, coach, here we go. We're going to play two fun games. We play, we're going to play a game of Mount Rushmore for your Cardinals fandom. I'm sorry. I didn't update that on, on your show notes. That's from my last episode, but for you, we're going to play a, a Cardinals Mount Rushmore. So of course Mount Rushmore is your top four. So tell us, if you could make a Mount Rushmore of Cardinals greats, I know you got Gibson. I know you're going to go Bob Gibson on there, but uh, who is going to be your Mount Rushmore for the St. Louis Cardinals?
1: All right. I'm going to have my George Washington. It's going to be Gibson.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: My Thomas
0: Jefferson.
1: It's going to be Lou Brock.
0: Oh, nice.
1: I'll probably go with, um, even though he left, even though he left, I'm going to go with pool holes as Theodore Washington. Oh, of course. Good okay. call. And, and, and my last one, you know, I could go to a relieving pitch or whatever, but I'm going to go back in time. And I guess, forgive me on this, I probably put Stan Mutual in there instead of. I got to put mutual in there instead of pool holes. As much as I love Albert, you know, you did leave this and you, you almost ruined your career. So I I, I can't do, I, I understand, can't. Understand. I understand. Hey,
0: it's your Mount Rushmore. It's your Mount Rushmore. Yeah, you so pick I got,
1: I got, I got to rethink that. So I got Gibby, I got Bob Gibson, I got Lou Brock. And, and then um, I, uh, who did I say? I had Gibson, Brock, Brock. And Musil. All right, so Gibby has Washington, Tom Jefferson. I got Brock. I got um, um, Theodore Washington. I've got uh, Stan the Man. And the last one, as honest Dave, I'm going to throw you a curveball here.
0: Okay. No pun intended.
1: Roger Hornsby. Okay. And here's the reason. My dad, when he tore his ACL meniscus and didn't – his big league career was done – Roger Hornsby hired him as his hitting instructor. Wow. And drove the bus for him. So I gotta, I gotta give, I gotta give a shout out for Abe Lincoln and Honest Dave. I know everybody says, "Why are you always call him my?" Hey,
0: I'm a he. Land of Lincoln. Okay? You're in <laughs> Land Lincoln, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so I, I, I gotta go with Roger Hornsby. I, you know, you I could, you, you could look out there all the different Hall Enos Slaughter and all those guys, but i gotta go with roger hornsby
0: on that one there's some kind of there's some kind of genetic trait with the carols that you guys all meet famous people like your dad had it too i think your son maybe is gonna get to meet some famous that's that's pretty incredible i gotta ask you this though as a 90s kid i'm just curious what's your take on mark mcguire and his legacy with the cardinals is he beloved by cardinal nation or does the the steroid scandal have a taint to it or because i noticed you didn't list mcguire which understandable yeah, so, so when
1: when when he left he was a hitting instructor and he left st louis to go to la that was it okay uh, for I me
0: understand. yeah i understand you
1: know, hey, oh he did he he and Sosa. the, the moments they had sure. and everything were unbelievable yeah. but you know i i i, I could can't put him in the same breath of any of those guys
0: understood sure. understood I understand yeah, just yeah, for me, yeah. it's just the time period of growing up in that time period and like remembering those moments, like you said, at the Sosa deal. Um, but yeah, Pujols to me in my lifetime is the greatest Cardinal. But I understand with the others that you have there, it's it's tough. But and also the way that he left, I, I know as a fan, it probably kind of soured it for you. All right, Coach, you said you always you you haven't you haven't put on the whistle for a long time, but you said you're a coach at heart. I'm gonna allow you a chance to put your whistle back on here, and I want you to give me. If you could make an all-time starting five, here you go. You'll put your starting lineup out there. Your all-time starting five of Fighting Illini basketball players. Who would they be?
1: All right. So we're we're going. We're gonna go modern era. So okay. we're gonna go from the Ludo Lou Henson through Lou Henson, Ron Kruger, Lon, excuse me, Lon Kruger, Bill Self, mm-hmm. Bruce Weber and then Underwood, okay? So we're going back to when Lou was in that. We're talking the 70s because there wasn't a whole lot going on in the 60s. You can go back to before that, maybe 1960, 61, there was Jerry Colangelo who was Mr. USA Basketball and a few of those guys. But I, I don't really think you can put them in the same breath as these guys, all right? Sure, sure. So here's what we're rolling with. Eddie Johnson, EJ. Eddie played for the Phoenix Suns. He was drafted by the Kansas City Kings at the time. Cotton Fitzsimmons played his most, almost all his career with the Suns. So EJ, Eddie Johnson, one of Henson's original guys. Then there is sweet D Derek Harper. Oh yeah. Came out of Florida. Sweet D was a maverick, right? Point guard. Then there's Nick Anderson. You and I have talked about oh, yeah. Nellie and Orlando magic. Kendall Gill. Had a lot of stops, starting out with kind of with the Nets and Coach Cal, a little bit with the Bulls and so forth, maybe even a, a stint, maybe with Milwaukee. But but he was he was one of them. And then you gotta have the other sweet D, Darren Williams, who was an Olympian. Yes. So that's my five. And then being remiss to leave off, but the six man would be the all-time leading scorer, Dion Thomas. So out of those six, two of those guys are Simeon guys, Dion Very and cool. Nick. And uh, so they're, they're, that would be it. And uh, you could say, well, you're going to run a lot. <laughs> we're going to run a lot. I don't know if we're going to rebound a whole hell of a lot, but I'm not sure we need to with that bunch.
0: No, I, I love it, Coach. And, you know, first of all, Eddie Johnson, I definitely know that name because like, he finished his career at the Rockets. But I guess that's thing, right.
1: You're right. Yeah, you're right. He did. I, yes, he I remember did.
0: him in late like 97 and 99. I just looked it up. He was with the Rockets. That's what I remember. But there was also and you may remember this. There was another Eddie Johnson by the exact same name who also was in the NBA, but it kind of got into to drugs and trouble. Right. You, you remember what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. It was a different Eddie Johnson.
0: Uh, so know, uh, I, I've always heard that story that, you know, one time the news reporters were talking about this other Eddie Johnson and put your Eddie's face on the news. that's No, that's,
1: that's right. I remember I heard about that. That's correct. Yeah. 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 They were, they were opposite of night and day. And Eddie's made a pretty good career being a, an analyst or yeah, an analyst for the Phoenix suns on TV, I think for years. Absolutely. Now he, yep. he, he may have retired recently, but Eddie's a good dude. And he came back, he promised his mom, when he left that he would he would honor her by getting his finish his degree at illinois so when he was playing the nba he came back for three summers in a row to get his degree That's so awesome. uh cl- class act good guy
0: a couple other things there just for our listeners you mentioned darren williams i, I just always remember the utah jazz where kind of got his start and was doing so good but he's actually from the colony which is there in the dallas metroplex area so he's a, he's a texan made his way up there uh to, to the land of lincoln and then I'm more than the Frank Williams Jersey. I know he didn't make it to your top five, but I got to ask you, know, just, just talk to you about about Frank Williams a little bit. Well,
1: okay, if you look at Frank Williams, you also got you get, you know kind of an line icon is D Brown, right? There's another one. d Brown yeah. Yeah. D Brown was second team all-American on two or three teams his last year. But I don't know, he just wasn't didn't shoot it probably well enough to to play in the NBA. But you know, Frankie could definitely shoot it, and then his son came. He wasn't quite the player his dad was, but was a good player at Illinois. Um, but yeah, yeah, I like. I mean, there's, there's, there's probably a half dozen. I mean, you, you know, Bruce Douglas uh, was an All-American point guard out of Quincy, yep. but he he's yep. not quite in that group of the few I mentioned. And then there's I Ephraim Win, Ephraim Winters, who went from being a second team, all American as a sophomore to kind of getting bulked up on the weight program. He just kind of fizzled out. But as a freshman, I don't think I saw more of a powerful six, nine player. I watched him dunk three alley-oops on Randy Brewer for the Minnesota Gophers his freshman year. And he was unbelievable. He out of, in uh, he was out of King. Yeah. So, and then there's Marcus Liberty too, but now, now Marcus, and Ephraim were both parade, all Americans, but you know, they, they had big time co- high school hype and they're very good college players. And Marcus is doing marvelous things with young kids and development down in Florida. But I don't think you can put them in the group of those, those six sure. guys. I just, I, I yeah, think, no, no doubt. Those, just... the, the, yeah, those six are awful special and, and Frankie was really, a, really a good player. Um, but, you know, you, you probably got, you know, another 10 to 15 guys that would battle for that next six to seven
0: spots. Absolutely, man. I just wanted to give you a chance to do a couple honorable mentions there because I know you don't want to leave anybody out because it is a family there. Uh, but one more guy I had to ask you about because he's my personal favorite just from the time period I grew up. When I think of Illinois basketball, I, I think of Corey Bradford just from that late 90s period there. So can you can you speak about, about Corey Bradford?
1: Well, he played through a lot of adversity because he was hurt. I mean, yeah. he was a tough kid. Yeah. He was a really tough kid. I think he was there six years. He got, he got a, he got a couple medical, you know, I think when he, when he left, he was probably 23 going on 24, to be honest with you. But I, he, I think he ended up with one or two degrees. Really hardworking guy. He, he was kind of the, pro- he kind of represented what the fight in Illinois was all about. Yeah. Uh, he was a special player because I think he either had one or two ACLs he came back from. Uh Just, just a really good dude. And, you know, he, he he's another one that was, was, was a, a, a great eye. Is, is he in that, you know, that top sure. group? Right. Probably not. Right. But he he's you know I think originally out of Memphis Tennessee if I'm correct you're correct you're uh, correct good recall yeah, yeah. and uh, but I've I've had a chance to visit with him a couple of times he, he's a quality guy and then you know Corey is classy guy matter of fact I think he's played in Japan for a couple of years if I'm Coach, correct I was
0: actually just looking it up I, I think this might surprise you Corey Bradford finished his pro career in 2020 I mean he he's played all over the world but he played all the way to 2020. He's okay. born in 1978, so he played. To, he played till 42 years old, playing pro basketball. Yeah. Rod.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he he went through a lot of adversity. in Illinois just physical adversity, right? Right. Not not. There's no classroom issues there, but he was tough. He was yeah. a real tough kid, you know. And uh, that's that's one thing that Henson had. He had some pretty tough guys, right? They used to say, well, all the athletes had he. He couldn't win the big ones and blah, blah, blah. Well, the Big Ten in the 80s and 90s were as tough as any conference, without a doubt, in the nation. And it was a bloodbath, right? They yeah. said how it's black and blue and football. Trust me, in bas- basketball. You know, back then, if you got blood, you just kind of wiped it. You kept playing. There wasn't a lot of the HIV and, you know, infectious disease. You just kept playing. But, right. uh, it, I mean, it was... Thinking of the the Indiana, the Michigan states, you know, starting in really Magic and Eddie Johnson when Illinois, beat, they came in and were undefeated, and we knocked them off. I was at that game. I was a I was a like in high school, and um, that was you know Eddie was on. Made, I think Eddie knocked down the shot, and then so you had Magic and that whole area of the era there, and then you had the eighties, which had you know Judd, Crazy Judd, Doctor Tom Davis, Bob. Bobby Lou Frieder, you know, on and on. And I mean, it was, it was amazing. I mean, those games, every game was a hard game, right? It was hard fought game. And if you were the home team, you're automatically given 10 points. Didn't matter how good or how bad you were. You would get that for your home court Well, that was what you we put on the sky report going in, you know, you know, you know, we're favored to win this game, but guess what? if we're fair to beat them by 20, then it's going to be an eight to 10 point game because you're going to give that team 10 points being on their home court. That was a given. And there wasn't sports books or any of that stuff back then, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too funny. So. Well, coach, man, this has been a pleasure. We just got one last thing left to do. I know you're, you're, you're really kind of like a sports historian, man. Your recall is amazing. I love the way you're able to just recall all these guys from all these different generations. You have different interests in all your different sports. So I just want to do an, an overall Steve Carroll, Stevie C, Mount Rushmore. So, just your four greats, whatever sport, whatever walk of life, just who is your all-time Mount Rushmore for Stevie C, Stevie Carroll?
1: Well, you know, I, I think you got to start, start out if you got on the left, George Washington. I'm going to put in that first slot. I'm going to put Michael Jordan. Yep. You know, uh, yep. hands down, without yep. a doubt. and. Yep. And I, you know, I, I guess, you know, if you, you know, I, I thought about this last night because if you think about that, that makes sense. And then if if you take it to the next stage, if you're gonna go, you know, football, baseball, basketball, you know, I thought, well, yeah, I could go football, and the logical thing would be a Tom Jefferson. You put Tom Brady. Who could argue that, right? Yeah, but. <laughs> You know, I mean, I think about that, but then you know, part of me also thinks about life and kind of what Mount Mount Rushmore is all about. So I think I'd probably opt for Tom Landry, okay, because what he did uh, was unprecedented back in the time, back in the day, right? And how the, the the leaders, the guys from those cowboy teams, and what they've done in life is unbelievable right if you look up the history from the roger stallbacks to the drew pearson's on and on and on and seeing the success those guys have had off the field it's amazing and everyone and i've heard a uh something on the radio or an interview or whatever they always give accolades to landry okay and having been involved with fellowship and christian athletes and been to the big things in Kansas city over my lifetime. Everything was always about Landry and what he stood for. So I, I got to have Tom Landry as Tom jet Thomas Jefferson, okay. right? Okay. I'd have him in that slot. Then I look at Teddy Roosevelt and it, it's like, that's kind of a wild card in itself. Right. Right. And, the rough rider. and so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. The rough rider. So guess what? Who better won the Dickie V Dick fight? There you
0: go. I like it. Yeah. It's awesome. baby. Because,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's awesome baby with a capital A. And I mean w- what what he's done for college basketball, what he's done for cancer research, how he's branded himself, how when when he kept bugging ESPN to hire him and they told him to go away and he never went away and finally they said okay, come on Dick. Right. And then here he is, you know, he's like contract for life with ESPN and the guy couldn't even so hardly speak a year ago, right? But he right. fought right. through cancer and he's a survivor so i have to go with that love it and then i i i go back to the last one on a stay but i'm thinking you know i really need to tie land of lincoln someone to that and i think probably the greatest athlete to come out of east central illinois who lettered in 14 sports could have gone to notre dame could have gone to illinois could have gone to everywhere they could go to but instead they went to the cardinals was my dad, Bruce wow. Carroll, R- RBC. And he was the ultimate servant. He managed 2,000 people as a director of human resources at Carl Clinic at one time. And he knew like 90% of them by their first name. And uh, his recall, I mean, I'm middle three boys and say I'm kind of a clone of my dad. I take that as a total compliment. And they say, as you get older, you look like your father. But what I can tell you, he's he was the ultimate servant. Above and beyond his successes in sports and leadership, he was the ultimate servant. It was never about himself. Yeah. So I would be remiss if I didn't have my dad on there to fill in where Honest Dave Lincoln is. So those would, those would be my four. And then you and I could say, okay, you can go a different route and you got, you know, you got the, you know, NBA, you and I've talked about this Jordan. Some people probably say LeBron. Well, I'm taking Jordan. Some people (laughs) might say Russell. I'm taking Jordan. You go to football. How can you not say Tom Brady? I mean, how can you you not? (laughs) I mean, love it. Now you go to baseball. That's a whole nother deal. Now. Let me ask you a question. Okay. If you, I like this. Picking, if you were picking baseball, who would you pick for Teddy Roosevelt?
0: Oh, boy. You're real. Okay. You know, I, I might go a little bit out of left field, no pun intended, of this one, but I'm kind of a Pete Rose guy. You know, he he goes by his own beat. I mean, he, he, he's unapologetically himself, and he was a damn good ball player. So, I think I might say Pete Rose, and I personally think they should let him in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if that you completely disagree with me on that, but uh, yeah, well, I, just, I didn't I, have a chance to think about it, but I'm, I'm going to go Pete Rose off the cuff.
1: I think it's a travesty he's not in the Hall of Fame. I, yeah. You and I could talk for hours about that. Yeah, I think that that is definitely a wild card in there. Because you could – you could, well, we could we could go on and on. You know, people would say Hank Aaron. People would say, you know, sure. all kinds of different people, There's right? There's plenty
0: of other guys. But the thing about Pete Rose, and I'm sure you got to see it more, and I was too young, but just the, the effort he played with. You know, like yeah. sliding headfirst into first base and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I, if you're asking me who's going to be a rough rider, I, I'd take Pete Rose with me any day, you know?
1: <laughs> well, you know, that that's a great point. And the, the, I, I, honestly, I like that one. I really kind of like that one. So then I guess if I was to switch gears to the last one, if it was you and you're looking at Lincoln and we're looking at a college basketball guy, is it John Wooden or is it coach K? What's
0: your call? Wow. 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 That's Steve. That's a tough one. I'd have to defer to you. I know Wooden was a revolutionary but it for me in my generation, I don't think I could pick against Coach K. I, I, you know what I mean? Especially being a Kowaleski and a proud, you know, Polish American. I I'm a little biased. I would go Coach K, although totally respect what Wooden did. Slight argument, and you could maybe tell me that I'm totally wrong, but I just feel like as time has gone on, the landscape of college sports is maybe more competitive. I don't know back in Wooden's day if it was maybe so competitive to maybe where the blue bloods could really dominate like the I'm not, I'm not detracting from what he did, but the amount of championships in a row and all that kind of stuff, like wins in a row. I don't think you can do that nowadays. It's too competitive. And so I think what shashevsky has done over such a long period of time is maybe more impressive. Again, not trying to ruffle feathers, but that argument comes up a lot when you try to compare modern athletes or coaches versus back right. in the day, you know what I mean? So I'd lean Krzyzewski for a couple different reasons, but you, you can definitely tell me if I'm wrong. I definitely respect your judgment on that.
1: Uh, i agree with you i agree yeah. with you on that I, I i'll take coach k and i take wood in a close second but i don't think you can argue it, you know here's the thing you know coach k is from sh- chicago Weber catholic high school i recruited did not know that there, okay right yeah yeah so he's a chicago guy and he and jerry colangelo are best like all but best friends now colangelo's from chicago heights bloom and went to illinois right and then uh, coach K went to West Point. Now, obviously, there's a difference in age of a few years, probably right. ten years. That's neither here nor there, but they're both Catholic, Polish, <laughs> Italian. Boom, yeah. boom, right? Yeah. And the the two of them ran USA basketball together for years, right? You know, Coach Calandro was president, and CEO. Coach K was the coach. All right. So what I do know is. I totally agree with what you're saying, but I think Wooden's a close second, but kind of a distant second and all due respect to John Wooden sure. being an Indiana guy. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but, you know, as we've discussed, I mean, I, resp- I, I have the greatest amount of respect. I know with the pyramid of success inside and out um, I, I always admire John Wooden, but being an Illinois guy, you know, Hey, I got, I got to defer to, probably coach K and Chicago and the, the, the CYO Catholic, Chicago Catholic. Well, would be the, it would be the, it would be the Catholic league, not the CYO. That's a Catholic youth organization. I got that a little bit confused, <laughs> but okay. no, uh, no, I, I, no, this has been good. I've, I've enjoyed every bit of it. And uh, so uh, yeah uh anything else you, you want to cover i was getting harassed today they said they're gonna hey carol they're doing a part one a part two and a part three on you i go that's scary that's scary <laughs> and and, I, and he said we've already put it out there we want to know where it's going to be on we're going to blow it up all over the country and i said i don't know you gotta count on james to do his magic because there, we got a lot of footage
0: No, and I, Hey, I I do not break up into, it's going to be one episode. We've had some long ones, so it's going to have to, they're going to have to sit through it, but that's the beauty of podcasts. You can always start and stop or play it at two X speed. So it'll be great coach, man. I I could talk to you all day. I I seriously could could talk for five or six hours, man, but it's been a real pleasure. If, if you all enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, again, please just take that five seconds, give us that five star rating. That's what drives us up the charts, so more people will find our show whenever they they Google or search for a sports podcast. You can also leave a written review if if you're if you're uh, wherever you're listening to this allows it. Now Apple does, so if you do that, I'll, I'll read your review on the air. You can then hit the follow button. That way, you'll subscribe to the Team Player Podcast. You're going to get a new one in your queue every Sunday as soon as they come out. You can email me at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com with any feedback or recommendations. We lift up our own inside of here. I've had so many of my guests that are just recommended to me by former guests or, you know, Steve, I learned, I heard about from a coworker, Sean Maloney is a guy that I kind of connected to. Cause he's up in Michigan uh, in that inside of Daktronics. he said, Hey, you got to get Steve Carroll on here. So thank you for Sean Maloney for that recommendation coach. Uh, as always the cover art music for the team player podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr, and our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Averyon's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Averyon. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Carroll, thank you so much for coming on the show, Coach. It's been a true honor and a privilege.
1: James, I've enjoyed every bit of it. I'm looking forward to catching up with you live sometime in the near future. We're going to do do it. it.
0: We're going to do it in Champagne. I will be there. I I looked at the schedule, Coach. It's not next year, but I will be there.
2: It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and share them I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, ensuring them I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy one more line record the track just one more time my family think i bought my head lost my mind and them I'm just, fine, I'm, I'm just fine i'm good enough but you be told i need some therapy initially ain't do it voluntarily but now i got a legacy